Hi, hello, Dara here. Just wanted to do a little housekeeping before we get started. I wanted to let you all know that I've made a Ledu coloring book for you all to download, print, and enjoy. And by I've made a coloring book for you, I mean I've made my fiance make a coloring book for you. To find it, you can get the link in the description of this episode or at the link in the bio of the Ledu Instagram. You'll put in your email address and then you'll receive the download and you'll also receive an email when new episodes come out that will have show notes and links to old videos and articles that I used as research for the week's episode. You can also unsubscribe and take the coloring book and run. No pressure. I'm very laid back and cool. And if you want to leave a little tip, shall we say, for the coloring book, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review for the podcast because it really helps. Okay, thanks, bye. You know why I'm mad at you? Why, Laura? You know why I'm mad at why? you. You know what why? you did. What did I do? You know what, what you did. What did I do? You started a sick little rumor about it. What has gone wrong with young Hollywood? Honest to God, what is the problem? Yeah, yeah. Juicy sweatsuits, doing lines in the restroom. All y'all dressed to impress who? 20 something trust issues, girl. Insecure about Hello and welcome to season four of Lay Do You Remember This, where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best, worst decade, the early 2000s, a time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. As always, I'm your host, Dara Lane. Today, we'll discuss a feud between two pros. Music is their survival job, but feuding is their side hustle that they pursue with the drive and tireless passion of a single mother getting her nursing degree in a Capella University commercial. They've carried on grudges with the likes of Whitney Houston, Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, Christina Aguilera, and Ja Rule. This is Feud, colon, Eminem, and Mariah Carey. Like the feud of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, Mariah and Eminem's feud spanned decades. But unlike PL, they weren't messily espousing their hatred to any old TMZ reporter they stumbled upon. Their pettiness primarily manifested through song, which required time, talent, and creativity. And through these recorded works, their feud may live on as if no time has passed. The reason for their feud was simple. Eminem had said that he and Mariah had dated. Mariah said that they didn't. In the early 2000s, people chalked it up to a common refrain we're all familiar with, though Ashley Tisdale says it best. It was he said, she said. A concept that often relieves people from having to do the uncomfortable work of holding men, especially powerful men, accountable for their actions. However, when you scrutinize the feud today, you might find that like basically everything else that happened in the early 2000s, we as a society did not treat the woman involved with any respect or compassion. It all begins in the spring of 2001, when Mariah and Eminem meet. 
Mariah wants Eminem to collaborate with her on a song for her upcoming album, Charm Bracelet. And according to her manager at the time, Eminem visited the set of her music video shoot for her new song, Loverboy, which was to be the main single on the soundtrack for the Glitter movie. The song had already been at the center of another controversy, so if I may, I'd like to digress to this adjacent feud between Mariah and Jennifer, I don't know her, Lopez. Over the last year, Mariah had been creating new music for Glitter while she was with Columbia Records, whose parent company was Sony Music the head of Sony Music being her ex-husband, Tommy Mottola. Now, if you're not familiar, the Tommy Mottola Mariah Carey of it all is a whole other podcast for a whole other day. But I'll put it to you this way. He was an A number one dirtbag to Mariah. They were married in 93 and separated in 97, but Mariah wasn't able to escape her contract at Columbia for another three years. While Mariah was working on the music for Glitter, Tommy found out that one of Mariah's songs, Loverboy, was using a sample from a song from 1978 called Firecracker by Yellow Magic Orchestra. Around this time, Jennifer had just signed to Sony Records and was working on her album, J-Lo. Tommy convinced her to get the rights to Firecracker and sample it in her song, I'm Real. Mariah had legally called dibs on the song a whole month earlier than Jennifer and already recorded the song, but Jennifer was still able to beat her to the punch because her album was scheduled to be released before Glitter. Mariah had to recompose the song with a new sample. By May 2001, when it was time to film the video for Loverboy, Mariah had been burning the candle at both ends for over a year trying to finish the Glitter movie and the soundtrack. MTV.com reported on May 22nd that she, quote, had a whirlwind 48-hour publicity tour the previous weekend where she displayed almost superhuman stamina, working on the video for her upcoming Loverboy single until 6 in the morning, sleeping a few hours, and spending most of the day meeting and greeting the troops at her new label, Virgin Records. She then sat for interviews for six hours, during which she changed outfits four times. MTV was also simultaneously filming Making the Video during the shoot. And now it's Making the Video with Mariah Carey. So the name of the video is Loverboy. And um, I guess the loose concept is just David LaChapelle's fantasy of making me into a hubcap sales girl. <laughs> David LaChapelle is like an amazing, amazing artist. I know he doesn't usually do videos. He's doing something that's just more raw and fresh with her. His concept is kind of like muscle car girl fantasy trip. It's like a car show. Girl on Wheels was the classic custom cars, you know. There's like a scene with me in front of the hubcaps. There's like 12 different versions of me. It's kind of like I'm trying to do the job really well so people will buy the hubcaps. And then at some point I graduate to being the car model. It's all going to be fun and happy and, you know, colorful. She's selling cars. She's modeling cars. She's the car model. As David keeps yelling at me, you're a car model and you love this because 
You love it. You're happy. You're a car model. Car model. Basically, it's boys and cars. You know, boys love cars. Boys love hot chicks. It's a chick on a car, and that's all it is. We got Ludacris, Shauna, Brat, 22. You know, they're all in the race car thing. Then I'm gonna be like the flag girl at the race. They're gonna be racing cars, and I'm gonna be flagging them down somehow. I miraculously become the trophy girl, too. Everything's in organic, everything's in camera. It's going to be really cool. The scene in the video where I'm popping out of the cake, I've wanted to pop out of a cake since I was little. It's all sort of just a big party and a, and a celebration of the lover boy. But there is no, I don't have a lover boy in this video. I don't have a boyfriend in this video. Basically, the car is the lover boy. That's all we need is a girl, like a car like this, and this beautiful girl singing a hot song. How can it go wrong, right? Just stay tuned and watch some of this nonsense. Catch more Mariah tomorrow on TRL. In hindsight, we know that Mariah ended up getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and this kind of unbridled energy, despite lack of sleep, can be a symptom of a manic episode. And what better time than that to meet a man like Eminem? Though they never ended up collaborating on a song for Charm bracelet like Mariah originally wanted, they continued to see each other. Soon after, Mariah takes her private jet to Detroit, and according to some sources, allegedly stays at Eminem's house for four days. Mariah, who was still in a three-year relationship with Luis Miguel, a Mexican singer and star, maintained that the meetings were professional. Eminem was in the midst of developing a movie called Detroit and apparently was considering Mariah for a role. Detroit, of course, became 8 Mile and the role in question went to Brittany Murphy, rest in power, you sweet, sweet angel. May you sit shotgun in the Lord's chariot and roll joyfully with the homies for all eternity. Now, Eminem maintains that this was actually the beginning of a romantic relationship, and after she came to see him, he flew to see her in New York a week later. On June 2nd, the New York Post reports that they were seen together having drinks at Church Bar in the Tribeca Grand Hotel before going back to her home nearby. Mariah's publicist puts out a statement that she was just showing him her completed Loverboy video, and it wasn't romantic. The video premieres on June 8th to mostly terrible reviews, and the single itself doesn't fare much better. It makes it to number two on the Billboard Hot 100, but only because Virgin sold the single for the insultingly low price of 49 cents, because in those days, you paid for music or you ripped it off LimeWire, where you paid the price of living in fear that the government would catch you and fine your adolescent ass $100,000 for each illegally downloaded song. Critics basically went off about her being dressed provocatively while dancing like a stripper. May cishet white Jesus forgive her. If you watch the video, it's a lot of fun and the song is great. Her costumes and dancing would only be considered scandalous at a purity ring commitment ceremony. The whole thing feels exactly like the Mariah we know and love today, but up until this point, Tommy Mottola had heavily controlled her public persona as a sweet pop princess. Now that she was free of him, so began the emancipation of Mimi, and a lot of people, if you can believe it, were very critical of her. Soon after the video premieres, her relationship with Luis ends, and throughout the summer, additional pressure mounts on Mariah, and her behavior becomes more erratic, which included an infamous appearance on TRL and a hospitalization for the classique ailment of exhaustion. 
Then the glitter soundtrack drops on September 11th to mostly bad reviews and low album sales, which was the only notable thing that happened that day. 10 days later, Glitter the movie hits theaters, and we all know how that went. Not well, bitch. Amidst all of this, there's not much tabloid evidence of a relationship between Eminem and Mariah. Time goes on, and in May of 2002, just about a year after their first meeting, his album The Eminem Show is released, which features two songs that mentions Mariah by name. First, there's Superman. Am I too nice? Buy you ice. Bitch, if you died, wouldn't buy you life. Who you trying to be my new wife? What, you Mariah? Fly through twice. But I do know one thing, no. Bitches, they come, they go. And then, when the music stops, where he raps that he would beg Mariah to take him back. Then in July, he does an interview with Rolling Stone, where they ask if he was almost, quote, boyfriend-girlfriend with her. And he replies, There's truth to that. I don't want to say anything disrespectful because I respect her as a singer, but on the whole personal level, I'm not really feeling it. I just don't like her as a person. I gotta be honest, I learned a lesson from it. Don't believe the hype. I have respect for her, but she doesn't really have it all together. I'll just say that, and that she's a beautiful woman. In retaliation to all of that, Mariah writes a song for her next album, Charm Bracelet, called Clown. G5 20 minutes wasn't nothing you creep. She also goes on Larry King Live and denies having a relationship with him. All of this, as you can imagine, did not go over well with a man who liked to make up little ditties about brutally murdering the mother of his child. In 2003, Mariah goes on tour and when she performs Clown, she has a dancer come out as a marionette that looks a lot like Slim Shady, complete with a blonde wig and a Detroit Pistons jersey. A pretty tame burn, all things considered. The back and forth simmered down between them, and for two years it all seemed over and done with, until 2005 when Eminem went on tour. 
Aptly named the Anger Management Tour, he played personal voicemails that are allegedly from Mariah that say things like, why won't you see me? Why won't you call me? And then he pretends to vomit on stage. Now, Mariah did have a track record of posting unhinged voicemails while she was in the middle of her breakdown in 2001. So the recordings could be real and would prove that he did dump her, but like, good for you, asshole. You can now prove your side of the story by exploiting a woman who is having an episode. In further Justin Timberlake fashion, a year later, Eminem uses Mariah's name to drum up publicity for his upcoming album. On his Shade 45 radio show, he calls her a bitch and a cunt and says they dated for six or seven months and ultimately is mad because she denied that they dated. Then in 2007, Eminem's friend 50 Cent jumps on the bandwagon when he raps about her in his song, All of Me. He says... M predicted it all. I don't know how he knew it. He said women from Hollywood, they liars, liars, liars. You fuck them, they get you heated. Deny it like Mariah. In 2009, Mariah marries Nick Cannon. And as if that isn't punishment enough, Eminem releases another song calling out the couple called Bagpipes for Baghdad. In it, he says to Nick that he, quote, wishes him luck with that fucking whore. As personal as it is to write an original song for the newlyweds, you can never go wrong when you just stick to the registry. Sure, we both know they'll never use that crystal punch bowl, but that's what they've asked for, so just spend the money and forget about it. This job gets Nick involved in the fight, and in a very early aughts move, Nick writes a blog post in which he says that Eminem barely got to second base with Mariah and that Eminem's a racist, and we all know Racists hate being called racists. After years of letting this asshole go off, Mariah has what I think to be the definitive final word with her song, Obsessed. And I was like, why are you so obsessed with me? It's cool, it's calm, it's collected. The feud continues on for another full decade, but only between Nick and Eminem, two dweebs who can't leave well enough alone. Mariah sings her piece, winks, 
and disappears into a pink cloud that smells of cotton candy and tickles your nose like butterfly kisses. Eminem, of course, has to retaliate, and he completely spirals when he writes and records the song The Warning, where he openly threatens Mariah that he'll expose nude pictures of her, a little thing that we call revenge porn, which is now illegal in most states. The song is truly disgusting and abusive, and if you want to hear it, you're gonna have to do that on your own time. But I will mention one other lyric. He's so out of control on this track that he's willing to humiliate himself to prove some sort of point. He asserts again that they dated for six months, but that she only let him have sex with her once, and that one time they didn't even end up having sex because he prematurely ejaculated all over her and she was subsequently disgusted by him. Sir, that does not sound like you dated this woman for six months. Sure, originally, Mariah denied ever hooking up with him when he unceremoniously broadcasted her personal business to the world. And as recently as this month, Mariah's friend Debrat confirmed that this story that Eminem raps about is true. But I don't blame Mariah for lying, and I don't blame Denise Richards for almost definitely lying about having sex with Brandy Glanville either. Knowingly or unknowingly, he mischaracterized the nature of his relationship with her and then publicly attacked her over and over, each attack escalating in viciousness if she deigned to marry another man or stand up for herself. And I'll grant you, Eminem has his own host of mental illness and addiction issues, which is no excuse for this behavior, but does provide some context. What's maybe even more shitty is that everyone allowed him to say these things to a woman, to a living legend of pop music, no less. Not that success should protect a woman from abuse, but if we aren't willing to put a stop to this kind of public abuse, we sure as shit aren't going to do anything about abuse perpetrated against women we've never heard of. <sighs> okay. Okay, let's all take a little break. So I'll have a little sip of a chill white wine. Allow that to cool the head, the heart, and the tongue. Okay, okay. Okay. At the end of the September, Mariah will be coming out with a memoir. Sources close to Eminem say he's, quote, really stressed that in it, she'll reveal all about their relationship. And I hope she does. After all he has put her through, and the media has put her through, she deserves to say, I do know him, and he's a miserable brat who can't fuck. <laughs> Lay Do You Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Dara Lane. If you aren't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating and review. We also have a private Facebook group you can join and some early 2000s Spotify playlists. You can find those links on the show's Instagram. And please, if you like the podcast, share it. Tell your friends. It's true what they say. It takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email this at gmail.com. So, you're invited to come back next week. We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lay Do You Remember This. <laughs>